0: Good morning, and welcome to episode 228 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Uh, we spoke in one of our in one of our meta commentaries on the podcast at some point recently about how we've spoken about so many topics that everything reminds us of a topic. Um, and I had one of those moments when I read the the story about Matt Harvey and John Roche. Did you read that story? No. Uh, it was it was in a Jeff Passan column the other day. Um, I'll read it. It's uh, Harvey bounded up and challenged. Oh, uh, okay. This is not. I shouldn't have started there. Uh, basically, um, Roche tried to. This
1: is Roche, the six foot eleven yes. reliever. Uh, so, I I never pronounced that Roche. I think it's Roche. What do you, what do you and and I always would have pronounced it Roush. 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 And yet, I'm looking at baseball reference, and it seems to suggest it might be Roche.
0: No way. Huh. Yeah, it does sort of suggest that. Okay. I'm going to just avoid saying his name anymore. Um, so, that tall reliever...
1: Or- his middle name is no... His middle name, actually, incidentally, is not any easier. It's Eric. Eric with Eric. an H. <laughs> Is it so? Do you think it's Eric or Erich or Erish or Er Er Er, er, er Erich? Erich? I
0: think it's Eric, and the H is silent. But that is one of well, the. But he's
1: got a ch. He's got a ch. I mean, he's already established the ch as sh in his. You're, yeah, that's true. In his family, his family history. That's
0: true. Okay, so he Go for it. he tried to haze Harvey in the Mets clubhouse. This was last season, uh, by throwing a bucket of ice water. On to Harvey. Uh, And then Passon writes, Harvey bounded up and challenged Roche, Roche, Roche to a fight. Right there, right then. He gave up seven inches, about 75 pounds, and a gallon or so of bad ink. It didn't matter that he was a rookie. Harvey would not be a joke. He would not be a punchline in Roche's retelling. He would not let some mediocre clown play him. Roche backed away. Uh, And I wondered whether... Whether you think this would be interpreted differently if it were some other player, is it that Matt Harvey is a, a top prospect and, and a big part of the Mets' future and a good pitcher as a rookie even? Uh, is that why we interpret this as him standing up for himself and uh, you know a, a positive thing about him? Or if, if he were a, a worse player or a less promising player, would we put him in the jordani Valispin category of someone who can't get along in the clubhouse or doesn't accept the hazing that he should accept? Or was this hazing just kind of over the line for hazing?
1: Uh, well, I don't think the fact that he's a star is what would give him the leeway on this. I think that, in fact, these sort of hazing rituals are are more targeted toward the star um i think that's primarily what veterans respond to is is players who think they're good too young and uh i i would imagine that to be honest uh players don't care that much about what the non-star young players think of themselves because they're you know not they're not they don't take up a big part of uh anybody's attention uh so i, mean, I don't know why a i don't star young player I think that you know what I'll, I think that. Well, yeah, no, Valdespin uh, is clearly not liked. Yeah, I mean, it it just so they care. Probably, well, he's. I mean, my suspicion is that Valdespin is just not a guy that they like. That he, they're around him a lot, and they don't mm-hmm. like him. And Harvey, for some reason, uh, probably is a more likable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I don't know either of these people. I don't know what either one of them is like. Uh, But my suspicion is that uh, well before Valdespine did any pimping, home run pimping, Mm -hmm. uh, he was not liked. And well before uh, Matt Harvey challenged John Rausch to a fight, he had some uh, admirers in the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, I don't know, uh, this might be addressed in the story, but I wouldn't be surprised if we uh not we you and i but we the the greater public responded differently to this story if we had known about it that day if it felt fresh if it felt like there was uh, a little bit of oxygen left for that fire uh it might have been a a little bit of a controversy for three days Mm -hmm. and harvey might have had to uh live it down a bit in public um But since it's old news and he has obviously managed to succeed since then, uh, we don't really have to worry too much about it. Yeah,
0: the next paragraph is from that day forth, everyone who witnessed the incident or heard about it understood a new Mets commandment. Thou shalt not trifle with Matt Harvey. And they gleaned Mm. something that they may not have understood at the time but certainly will going forward. If he can stand up against the big bad Leviathan and turn into the alpha dog just like that, so can the team that for the last five years has been nothing but joke after punchline after clown bait.
1: It's also possible that Roush is not liked in the clubhouse.
0: Yes, that is possible.
1: Uh, and it's also possible that I don't find this particularly admirable behavior by Harvey. So <laughs> uh, if, if it matters to him, which I sure hope it doesn't, uh, my opinion of him dropped by like a percentage and a half.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say where the line between where you lose respect for someone for not standing up for himself or... You lose respect for standing up for himself too much and not just going along with the, the teasing um,
1: well yeah I don't I, I'm fine with him standing up for himself uh, I, I don't know why I'm talking I, I mean nobody cares what I think but uh, to me adults fighting is weird and challenging people to fights is super duper weird mm-hmm. uh, I think if you're in a fight that happens without a challenge it maybe you can you can be like whoa wow emotions really got a hold of us but like, the the challenge itself is just, like, uh, feels very, very eighth grade mm-hmm. to
0: me. Uh, okay. My topic is a, is a cop-out. I'm basically just going to ask you about Albert Pujols.
1: Okay. And I'm going to talk about um, the current offensive environment, I guess. Okay.
0: Uh, so my thing, I read a quote from Pujols uh, who said... I feel right now like my old me, like when I was in St. Louis, uh, he admitted that he never felt that good last season. He said there were some streaks here and there that I hit, but I was battling. I never got to a point where I could say, holy cow, that's my bat speed. Um, And he has hit better very recently, just in June. He has hit 313, 385, 567 with four home runs, uh, and I guess even better than that even more recently. Um, And I guess he had months that were as good or better than that last season, certainly. Uh, But he seems to feel like this is different and he looks different and feels different. And you were doing a series earlier this year where you were writing about Albert Pujols playing through pain and running painfully and slowly to first base which you then suspended once it seemed like he wasn't running as slowly and painfully anymore. Um, So I wonder how that's evolved and what you've noticed, if anything, as someone who was at the Angels game yesterday.
1: Uh, Well, it's interesting because um, for a while I was not focusing on a connection between his leg and his hitting uh, because the Angels didn't seem to be drawing that connection, and and I uh, sort of, I I didn't want to force a narrative on something that wasn't there, and then there was a pretty clear shift sometime in in May where, I think it was May, where they acknowledged that uh, it was was absolutely affecting his swing, that he puts um, a lot of weight on his front leg, he really spins on that front leg, especially on inside pitches, and uh, that, uh, because of that, he wasn't getting any drive and um so he I would say that he is uh clearly and so, so anyway so after that I, I started to wonder you know how strong the correlation was between the the days that he felt good running and that you could s- identify him running well and his offense and I never did um put the two variables together and see if there was anything there um I mean he's still slow but uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't make you cringe quite so much. There are uh, there are occasional days where uh, he he doesn't seem to be able to run like normal. But basically now he's a big slow guy, uh, not 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 quite the the, the crippled uh, guy that he he was. Um, I don't know. I, I, I to be honest, I, I mean he has hit better in the last month, but um, I don't sense a. Uh, I, you know, I don't sense, I personally don't sense uh, uh, that he's a uh, an, a guy you can't get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still seems, um, you know, he still seems to be uh, certainly less threatening than he was in his prime. Um, and uh, I think in particular, it seems to me that on uh, low pitches, he has a little bit of trouble getting down after them and hitting them with authority. Um so I don't know if I if I had to guess, um, I would probably say that he is um, a top twenty hitter. Certainly, well, not maybe not certainly, but I would say he's a top twenty hitter, and he might be a top ten hitter. Uh, but I would take if you if you offered me a bet uh, that he that if you if you wanted to bet that he's going to be a top ten hitter. From this point forward, the rest of the season, I think Pakota would back you, mm-hmm. and I think I would I would oppose you. I would I would take that
0: bet. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because he had three months last season where he had a higher OPS than he does this month. Uh, June, July, and August, he hit better than he has this June. Um, but I guess it means something that he thinks this is different somehow.
1: Uh, well, it would mean maybe it might mean something if he thinks it's different it m- probably means nothing if he says it's different mm-hmm. yes i right. i would i would guess that it's not that hard to find i mean there's quotes of Josh Hamilton talking about how he's coming out of uh-huh. it there's quotes from Josh Hamilton's teammates talking about how he's coming out of it scattered throughout the last 6 uh-huh. weeks i mean put two good swings together and people will talk about it i mean i've <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i've heard angels announcers talk about how he's Coming out of it, how you can really see. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you should see his batting practice. Oh, he's hitting hard out. <laughs> right. When you see, you know, he'll put he'll put a good swing on a ball, and oh well. When you see him doing that, you know he's out of it.
0: <laughs> I wish we could. And, and he's not. I wish we could track those just league well, wide somehow.
1: You you could. It's really super duper easy to track them if you identify one player and focus on mm-hmm. it. I, I remember um I remember doing this with Scott Casimir, uh, where over the course of like. 13 months, um, there were Scott Casimir had like, uh, you know, 35 starts and like 24 of them were bad. And, and, uh, and yet I found like, like 19 instances, separate instances of Mike Sosha saying, you know, he's, he's just one adjustment away. Uh, and, and it was always a different adjustment. So, I mean, I don't think that they're, that they're lying, uh, in, in this case. I think that There's a strong incentive to believe the best about yourself and to believe the best about uh, the players you're around. So I think that they, uh, I mean, this is the reason they're better than us, is that they skew toward the optimistic, Mm -hmm. while you and I, (laughs) pathetic sacks of sadness, uh, skew toward the tragic. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, this is why you, uh, you know, even if you and I had the skill (laughs) to hit, we would completely melt in four seconds. Although,
0: if we had that skill, maybe we would be more positive people.
1: Oh, I don't think I don't think we would. I, you do have that skill in, in other avenues of life, uh, and yet, <laughs> uh, and yet you you uh, you constantly doubt yourself in in all I'm, in all facets. <laughs> I'm not Albert
0: Pools in anything. Uh. uh
1: well, you're out. Uh, you're the Albert Pools of being you.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, your topic.
1: All right, so uh, Bill Barnwell, um, spectacular uh, Grantland writer um, of football and and occasionally baseball uh, once in Mm -hmm. a while, um, uh, asked me a question last night, uh, which fits the parameters of this show, although I'm not going to dwell too much on it. It's a jumping off point. But he asked me what would be the most boring slash line for a 2013 player. Mm Uh, he was thinking 253, 317, 422. Do you have a number in mind, by the <laughs> way? A slash line, the most boring slash line.
0: Did he have a rationale for that, or just, I mean?
1: Well, I think that having, I mean, in in, in a, when you're talking about the most boring of something, <laughs> the rationale is to exclude other things. The, yeah, the I fact guess you that just
0: it, you would just want you find the someone who's you probably below average in everything, but not. So far below average that it's interesting that he's that bad.
1: Exactly yeah. right. That's exactly uh-huh. right. So, uh, so because it, so this is where this is going. The the thing about two fifty three three 422 is that it looks below average. It looks like a bad line, and for most of our lifetimes, it would have been a below average line. But it's essentially it's average right now. I think it's actually slightly better than average. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I'm not sure that everybody has completely adjusted to. Even though we know offense is down, we still have certain slash lines Mm -hmm. that we're used to being good and that are we're used to being bad. I remember about a year ago RJ uh telling me that um Jason Kipnis had secretly become a superstar but nobody noticed because he had a 315 OBP. Mm -hmm. And we had not gotten used to the fact that 315 is the league average OBP. We're still used to three thirty five. And, um, and so I recommended for various reasons, I recommended a slightly, uh, lower line, but you can't get too low because the problem is that once you get below 700, then people, I think, then it starts to look terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so I suggest a little higher batting average, a little lower on base and less slugging. But, um, I wanted to know if there are any players that you think are, uh, secret superstars or maybe that's that probably oversells it but secretly playing like stars but nobody notices because we're not used to uh you know we're not used to we're still not quite mentally adjusted to this um i just sent you a list by the way a play index list of uh sorted by ops plus if that helps Mm -hmm. uh so you might want to scan that while i while i keep talking uh but I wonder specifically whether because slash lines are something that we've, most of us have only used as a way of kind of a shorthand evaluating a player for a few years, like since about 2000 or so, uh, that's basically when I remember the slash line coming up. And so for the first 8 to 10 years of slash lines, 300, 400, 500 was basically your standard. That was the equivalent of a 300, 100 mm-hmm. hitter. And, uh, we don't have, we don't have 25 or 30 years of slash line experience where we sort of are used to the swings. Um, so, um, I'm not sure we've all mentally adjusted. So, uh, you can look at that list, but I have a couple of players, uh, and I I don't want to suggest necessarily that, that these guys are superstars, but that they are playing, that they are hitting better than, um, uh, sorry, what was I saying? Uh, that. They are hitting better than... Yes, they are hitting better <laughs> than people. Appreciate. Yes. All right. So, first one is Kyle Seeger.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, okay. That's
1: a good one. So, Kyle Seeger, I just don't like... I, I feel like Kyle Seeger is a guy who might not get drafted in a 12-team league right now. He has the same OPS plus that Andrew Jones had the year that Andrew Jones hit 41 homers and finished 11th in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. He has the same OPS plus as... Andres Galarraga, the year that Galarraga led the league in home runs, RBIs, and finished sixth in MVP voting. Uh, and he has um, he's a third baseman who has the same OPS plus as basically Aramis Ramirez's peak years when Ramirez had a OPS in the 900s. Mm-hmm. And when you think of him as like a, a mid-ballot MVP guy, that's what Kyle Seeger has hit like mm-hmm. this year. So I think this is ma- – Kyle Seeger might be – Jason Kipnis is – uh, is a, is a good example that I'm glad RJ planted that in my head but Kipnis was a a top prospect and I feel like uh yeah that
0: they're... that's that's part of it with Seeker right is that he he wasn't expected to be that great and he's a young player still and we're just still getting out and he's a Mariner um so it's it's all that stuff in addition to the the run environment
1: yeah in addition to the run environment yes So then uh, Brandon Crawford, Mm -hmm. same OPS plus as Ryan Howard, the year that Howard finished second in MVP voting. Mm. Uh, And, of course, I don't think anybody's thinking of Brandon Crawford as being a great hitter this year, although probably you shouldn't have thought of Ryan Howard as being a great hitter that year. But still, it's a nice juxtaposition. Marco Scudero has the same OPS plus as Paul Molitor, the year Molitor finished second in MVP voting as a DH. Mm. Uh, as Craig Biggio during the three seasons that are going to get him into the Hall of Fame, the basically 95, 97, 98, when he was a top 10 MVP candidate every year. Mm-hmm. Same OPS plus as Scudero. Uh, and uh, Sean Green, the year Sean Green won the Silver Slugger as a right fielder. And I think everybody sort of is aware that Marco Scudero is, has hit well. He's been on fire and all that. But uh, he's hit like crazy well. He's, it's just you don't notice because it's like an 8-10 OPS or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Matt Joyce Mm. is basically having Juan Gonzalez MVP season right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Howie Kendrick is, has a better OPS plus than Justin Morneau's MVP season or runner up season. And probably, uh, and I, I might, I might have used all the ones that you could possibly (laughs) name. So sorry, but the, I think the most, the, 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 probably the standout example in the genre is Everett Cabrera. Uh-huh. So, Everett Cabrera has an OPS+ plus of 130. So, since 95, 1995, 33 players have had that exact OPS+. Plus. And the medium the median player who had that OPS+ plus hit 27 homers, drove in exactly 100, batted 292, 370 on base, 510 slugging. So, the almost the perfect 30 100 300 hitter and almost the perfect 300, 400, 500 hitter. And so Cabrera, you know, quietly, I mean, everybody's probably aware that he's stealing the bases and all that, but quietly is basically playing at that level, and he's doing it with, you know, a 410 slugging percentage and, and four home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a different world, and we have to adjust accordingly. Yeah,
0: and my, my conception of Cabrera is still that he is an awful hitter, um, I guess because of, like, my first real awareness of him Or I guess that one season Where he just didn't hit at all i um, looking Yeah, he hit 208, 279, 278 uh, In 241 plate appearances And I guess I just kind of uh, I don't know, I wrote him off at that point And so I've probably been underrating him since Because he was pretty good last year Not really in the same way But as a good defensive shortstop who steals a lot of bases and kind of got on base, uh, he was fairly valuable, I guess, even though he didn't really have any power. Um, I haven't looked to see, I, is he like a, just a, a high bat guy this year, or something? Uh,
1: let's see. His his isolated power is up thirty points. His uh, walk rate is up a little bit. Um, so. There's a lot of BABIP in there, but not all BABIP. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see his his career BABIP is 328. This year it's 365. Uh-huh.
0: Um, well, I guess I don't know. I I don't know if these are as good, but I guess my own bias is probably against low OBP guys who have good power. Probably, I guess I look mm-hmm. at the the OBP first and then. Kind of revise my my opinion downward Even before I look at, at the slugging Or the the extra base hits and stuff uh, So I guess maybe Colby Rasmus might fit that That group for me uh, In that he has a 319 on base percentage And kind of coming off being a, a disappointing player And I kind of had grown to Accept the idea that he was going to be a disappointing player and uh, he's slugging 474 with a 250 batting average and 13 home runs uh, which is good and then I guess I had a, a conversation with Jason Wojciechowski the other day about Ioannis Cespedes because I wrote something in an article about how he wasn't having a sophomore slump and Jason thought I was being too generous saying that um, but then kind of in the course of the conversation came came around to the idea that even though he has not a very aesthetically pleasing slash line, 232 average, 296 OVP, uh, the 465 slugging in this run environment and also in Oakland is pretty impressive to the point that, that he wouldn't really describe it as a slump. Although, it, I mean, it is, it, is a, a slump compared to what he did last year but but is not not as bad as you would think looking at the average in OBP yeah
1: I think Cespidus is a, is a great example of a guy who uh, who feels like a huge disappointment because when you look at that slash line and then you look at it adjusted for context mm-hmm. and uh, he's you know he's actually been um, you know a, a, just a, a some disappointment. Mm-hmm but still a very good hitter. I mean, a guy that would fit in every line. Yeah,
0: yeah. it is hard to shake those baselines. I guess I, I kind of grew up in the, the high offense era, and I feel like 330 OBP is just like, okay, it's average. It will always be yeah. average. <laughs> and I keep having yeah. to remind myself that it's not.
1: Yeah, I grew up a, a little bit before you, and so... I'm used. To, I, I'm aware that it, that there are. Um, i sort of have uh, uh, internalized the idea that, uh, like, for instance, Will Clark uh, was a superstar when he was hitting, you know, 29 home runs because that like led the league. So even though I know that 30, 100, 300 was the classic great line, I, I was, you know, aware that there were years where that was much lower would be very good. Like I remember that the Cardinals had a season where. Thirteen homers led the league, uh, or led their their team in home runs, and so uh, I can adjust for that. My my brain very easily adjusts for that, but I've never I never had a uh, slash line era this low.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, one more show tomorrow. Send us emails at podcast at prospectus dot com.